We got to start right now with the biggest dumpster fire in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. By now, right, we've all seen, we've all watched, we all are all aware of their just epic collapse, 24-22 loss to the Broncos on Monday Night Football last night. I got three conclusions. Three conclusions we can draw from last night's loss for the Bills that are now absolute facts moving forward the rest of the season. The three conclusions are this. Number one, Josh Allen should no longer be considered an elite quarterback. Number two, the Bills' playoff hopes, shot, washed, gone. And conclusion number three, Sean McDermott just sealed his fate. He is losing his job at the end of the year, if not sooner. Let's dive into each of those three conclusions really fast here and explain why. The one I really want to harp on is the first one here. Josh Allen is no longer an elite quarterback. He has regressed out of that tier. You know what the great ones do in this league? The Mahomes, the Burrow, the Jalen Hurts. They are like rocket ships. They go straight up in the air. Now, is there some turbulence when they're going to space? Absolutely. They're human. They, They are allowed to have bad games. But for the most part, when they're going up into space, their trajectory, straight up. And just like elite quarterbacks, they continue to get better, continue to improve, and are consistently going in an upward-forward trajectory to lead their team to the promised land. So if elite quarterbacks are rocket ships, Josh Allen is a damn roller coaster. That's exactly what he is. Up, down. Up, down. Up, 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 up. Boom. Rocket straight down. You can't be an elite quarterback if you are a roller coaster of a ride when the highs are high, but the lows are low. He's a guy who's all or nothing. That is, I think, the best way to characterize Josh Allen's career. He is a quarterback that is all or nothing, and that inconsistency is a reason why he is not considered, in my opinion, an elite quarterback anymore. I mean, just last night, he was outplayed at home in a primetime game that I think in that loss cost your team a playoff spot going against, by the way, not only Russell Wilson, but going against a Broncos defense that has been terrible. Yes, they've improved marginally the last few weeks, but they are a bad defense. Period. Stop. And with this win being so important for the Bills, with this game seemingly should have been a gimme in your pocket when you have an elite quarterback, The Bills instead lose at home and are now on the outside looking in on the playoff picture. I'm sorry, an elite quarterback doesn't lose that game last night. An elite quarterback doesn't allow a game to be lost when you've given already the Broncos ample opportunities with turnovers to go ahead and run away, and they fail to do so. Those are the games elite quarterbacks make you pay. Right, those are the games that we have seen Patrick Mahomes lead the Chiefs back from countless times. We have seen Tom Brady going back, lead the Patriots to, the, to wins in those kind of games countless times. When you don't put great quarterbacks away early, they usually come back to bite you. And Josh Allen, despite the fact that he turned the ball over three times, had just 177 passing yards. And even in the biggest moments when his team needed him most, it was not him, 
that delivered, but the run game for Buffalo that eventually got them what was a go-ahead score late in that game, he couldn't come through, and he could not carry the Bills. Again, against a bad Denver defense, despite the fact that that was a game that most elite quarterbacks come out there with a win. He is no longer in that same class as Mahomes, as Burrow, as Hurts, as Lamar. Because it's not just yesterday, by the way. This is not just a reaction to what we saw on Monday night that I'm saying right now that Josh Allen's not an elite quarterback. It's what we've seen this entire season. The Bills are now 5-5. Five and five. They played 10 games. Objectively, if you're a Bills fan or not, if you're a Josh Allen fan or not, we all can agree he has been flat out bad in 5 out of 10 games this year. Not pretty good. Not okay. Not decent. He has been flat out bad in 5 of the 10 games he has played in this year. Do we have to go back to the Monday night game to open the season? When the storyline should have been Aaron Rodgers popping his Achilles and there goes the Jets season. Instead, Josh Allen turns the ball over four times, basically gives the game away to the Jets, and they win a miracle game. They have no business winning. He was terrible in that game. He was terrible against the Patriots this earlier this year. I mean, unfortunately, we all were subjected to that early morning, early Sunday morning Germany game against the Colts that ended up 10-6. to I mean, you saw how bad the Patriots are. They are terrible. And somehow the Patriots found a way to beat the Bills. In large part because Josh Allen in that game was brutally bad. The Giants in a win. In which they are showing you to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. That potent Bills offense in primetime at home scores 14 points and gets lucky from the referees that really they didn't lose that game. If the refs are not afraid to blow the whistle on the Bills' defense for pass interference, I would think third time's a charm on the goal line there for the G-Man. They score a touchdown. Bills lose that game. They win. Josh Allen's still terrible. Jaguars in London, he was not very good in that game. And uh, like we just saw Monday night, Josh Allen was flat out bad against, again, a not good Broncos defense. That's five games right there. Out of 10, he has been bad. You are not an elite quarterback when half your games this season are putrid, let alone some of the stats where he has 11 interceptions, lead in the league, 14 total turnovers in just 10 games. He's a turnover machine. Josh Allen is no longer in that elite class. Where we used to talk about, even going into this year, when you were ranking quarterbacks, it's what? Mahomes one, Burrow two, Allen three. I think 90% of NFL fans going into this season would have ranked their top three quarterbacks in that order. Time to draw, drop Josh Allen. Time to move a few quarterbacks up, drop him down, and take him, if you want to even do tiers, take him out of that elite tier. He is no longer there. Not with how he's played this season. No way. That's conclusion number one. Josh Allen, no longer an elite quarterback. Takeaway number two. Bill's playoff hopes are done. I mean, they are dead. The season is over. They're five and five. I would say right now, right, with seven games to go, I would presume 10 wins get you in. So if we say in the AFC to make the playoffs, 10 is the magic number. You tell me, I'm going to rattle off very quickly here, the remaining schedule for Buffalo. You tell me how they are going to get to 10 wins, which would mean right now at 5-5, five and five, they go 5-2 and two down the stretch in this final seven-game sequence. They have this week Jets at home, 
Should be a win. Already lost to them once this year. At the Eagles. At the Chiefs. Home against the Cowboys. At the Chargers. Home against the Patriots. At the Dolphins. Do you see bare minimum? Five and two. Against the Jets, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Pats, Dolphins. I look at that seven-game stretch. I see three and four. Forget five and two. That's three and four written all over it. So goodbye. Their playoff hopes are done. They are not a playoff team, in my opinion. They should not be talked about like a playoff team. They will not make the playoffs when it's all said and done. That loss was the final nail in the coffin last night for Buffalo's playoff hopes. That's conclusion number two. And conclusion number three, Sean McDermott's job is is lost. I don't see any way how he's coaching the Bills next season. To me, firing Ken Dorsey today does nothing. It shows you how desperate I think Sean McDermott is to keep his job and how much he realizes he's on the hot seat and now he's trying to get answers fast. That doesn't change it, though, because it's not just on the offense coordinator. Dorsey has his problems, right? And we have talked a lot on this show and on this network. Um, I'm sure you heard a lot of Bill's play calling, Bill's offensive coordinator complaints right now um, when Ken Dorsey took over for Brian Dayball last year. But it's more than just Dorsey. I mean, last night, McDermott cost them, without thought, two boneheaded decisions. Number one, what are you thinking? On third and 10, with the game on the line at your own 45-yard line, the Broncos out of field goal position with no timeouts left, what are you thinking running an all-out blitz? You did on second down, props to you. You got the sack. But are you really going to give Sean Payton a do-over where you show him the same exact look and blitz everybody again and allow the game to be dictated by Jerry Judy's first step off the line of scrimmage? What are you thinking? All you got to do there is not allow basically 10, 15-yard completion, tackle the receiver inbounds, and allow a, a fire drill to happen in order for the Broncos to get their field goal unit on the field. What do you think in running an all-out blitz two times in a row with the game on the line where you don't even need a completion to lose? And that's exactly what happened. Russ threw the ball up. Jerry Judy, his credit for all the crap he's gotten this year, and I think rightfully so, his credit wins off the line of scrimmage. And that's, the, that's it. The game's over. As long as Russ doesn't overthrow the ball, which he did, and he smartly underthrew it, draws the flag, now you're in field goal range. As we know, game over. But also, McDermott, for a defensive guy, how do you not have enough control? How do you not have enough direction to get the proper amount of guys on the field? To not only lose the game and put the Broncos in field goal range with your, I thought, idiotic decision to run an all-out blitz two times in a row at the game on the line, but then to get a break, to get a break, and the Broncos and their mad scramble, Will Lutz is not set, misses the field goal, and you have 12 guys on the field, that's on you. That's poor coaching. On top of the overly conservative nature that McDermott has put on this team, especially on this offense, he's not a playoff coach. I would argue even in wins, he's been outcoached by almost everyone he plays. His job is, is done. Last night, again, just like with the playoff hopes for the Bills, his job status going forward, I thought the final nail in the coffin was yesterday. So the three conclusions I have 
from yesterday's loss for the Bills. Josh Allen is not an elite quarterback. Bills' playoff hopes are cooked. Sean McDermott will be fired at the end of the year. But the one I really want to focus on here is Josh Allen. I, mean, I don't know how you can watch Josh Allen anymore this year and still put the E word next to his name. He's not elite. And what's frustrating if you're a Bills fan or just a fan of Josh Allen in general is the talent is there, but as you'll hear him after the game say, it's the same basically things over and over and over again. It sucks. Shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Um, it's a lot of bad football. A lot of bad football. You can't have an elite. You are not an elite quarterback. If we're sitting here talking again after multiple games this season, talking about can't put ourselves in that position in large part because of turnovers, but also too in large part to not put the game away when the ball is in your hands and not just have productive drives outside of really the last drive of the game. It's the same thing every week. The Bills' offense has no rhythm, no flow whatsoever. Not all of that is on Allen. So much on the offensive line, they should get more blame than they do. Obviously, we know about the lack of run game. But this Bills' offense has no flow, no rhythm whatsoever. Josh Allen is a turnover machine. He's a guy who's a roller coaster, all or nothing, where, again, he can light up the Raiders. We've seen him just dismantle some bad teams this year. We've also seen him play like the worst quarterback in the NFL multiple times this year. You can't be an elite quarterback right now when you have highs that are high, but lows that are low. So I don't think right now Josh Allen is an elite quarterback. That to me is my biggest takeaway from this Bills loss here to the Broncos on Monday night. How about yourself? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. And Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. Do you still consider right now Josh Allen to be an elite quarterback in the NFL? And if so, why? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. That is the number if you want to call and get your voice heard on this show. Also, if you can't call, tweet at Ryan underscore Hickey in the number three. We'll read your tweets on the air if you think Josh Allen is still an elite quarterback in this league. When we were trying, I want to get your thoughts, but also talk about this game from the other side of the coin, the winning team. Russell Wilson had a nice drive to finish the game, had a nice win on the road that not a lot of people thought that he would get, and his stats already, halfway through this year, are a lot prettier and a lot better than they were for the entirety of last year. Are you back in on Russell Wilson? Is Russell Wilson still the quarterback of the future for the Broncos. I'll tell you my answer when we do return. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Getting your thoughts from last night's Bills-Broncos game. My biggest takeaway from Buffalo's side is that Josh Allen is no longer an elite quarterback. I think someone who is as inconsistent as Allen can no longer be considered in that elite tier. In the same category as Mahomes and Burrow and Hurts, those guys are consistent. They lead their teams to victory. Sure, they have bad games. Everyone does. They bounce back and are not reasons why their team loses half the games they played in like Allen has been this season. 
And so my biggest takeaway from Buffalo's perspective is just like you have a quarterback right now in Josh Allen that is not only regressing, regressing now to that second tier of quarterback play. And I mean, right now there's no end in sight for how far his drop could be if you don't get the right offensive coordinator and the right head coach next season. So 855-212-4227. Do you think Josh Allen right now is still an elite quarterback in the NFL? If if so, we'd love to hear why. But also on the flip side here, I want to make one comment on Russell Wilson fast, and that's this. Even though the Broncos won, even though right now his stats are already better this year, right? he has 18 passing touchdowns through nine games compared to 16 all of last year, I still don't think Russell Wilson is the long-term answer for the Denver Broncos. Like, you watch that game yesterday. Again, even though they won, I don't see how you feel good about Russ and this offense whatsoever. It honestly, like, watching that game yesterday, it felt like I was watching a JV high school football game. Whereas, like, if you ever go watch a JV game, it's like trying to complete a forward pass. It's like there's, like, it's the biggest struggle in the world. Well, the blocking's not great. The quarterback is, like, rushing around back there, running around, already trying to make some hero plays. Like, even some wide-open throws are off-target. And don't put the receivers in the best spot to make the catch. It's like you watch watching Denver yesterday. Like that's what it felt like. Like it felt really tough. Like an like a struggle just to complete a forward pass. It's like if they get a seven yard gain, it's like wow, what a play! Holy cow, they got everything you know cooking in the right direction. It was a really tough watch. And again, even though they won, that was to me more of Buffalo losing that game compared to Denver winning it. I mean, the fact that they needed a game-winning field goal with no time left on the clock, despite the fact that Buffalo turned the ball over four times. Now, you turned it over once, but you still win the turnover battle by three. Four to one. You held on to the ball for 15 minutes longer on offense compared to what the Bills had. The Bill, Again, despite that, the Bills outgained you by 70 yards, despite having the ball 15 minutes less than the Broncos' offense. And Buffalo had just one less first down in the game compared to Denver. The only reason why, again, the Bills were even in this game, despite their four turnovers, was because when Denver got it, either they were settling for field goals on touchdowns or they were punting. And that offense was really hard to watch. And as someone who thought Russell Wilson was going to lead the Broncos to the Super Bowl last year, who then doubled down this year, not for the Super Bowl, but I thought the Broncos were definitely going to be a lock for a playoff team this year with Sean Payton coming in. I'm at the point where, honestly, I'm waving the white flag on Russ and Denver having success. I don't think he's the answer going forward. I don't think his improved stat line is a reason to get excited because you just watch this offense. Sure, the numbers are better. But honestly, does it really look any different compared to last year? It is a struggle bus. It is hard to watch. Feels like they need a million things to go right just to, again, gain four yards or complete a forward pass and get a first down. That's not sustainable and not good enough for where the Broncos want to go under Sean Payton, which is to win a Super Bowl. So even though they got the win, I don't right now feel good about Denver. I don't really see them 
going forward, at least with Russell Wilson at quarterback, being the answer and feeling confident going forward that he could lead you to the promised land. Bare minimum, the playoffs, but eventually the Super Bowl under Sean Payton in the next few years here. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Again, at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. Do you feel any more confident about Russell Wilson after that big-time primetime win? And for Josh Allen, do you feel like he is still an elite quarterback in the NFL? 855-212-4227. We go to the land of despair. David in Buffalo. Hello, David. Hey, Ryan. I appreciate you taking my call tonight. How's it going, man? I give you a lot of credit, David. I'll be honest. I am someone where I'm a sore loser. If my team loses a big game, I am not one to seek the spotlight. I am one to run and hide, turn off the radio, turn off the TV, and cry myself to sleep So for a few days. So I give you a lot of credit here after that loss yesterday. A couple things, man, before we get into talking about the game. Number one, these guys are millionaires, and they play a sport for a living. So you know what? At the end of the day, it's uh, in the grand scheme of life, it's not that big of a deal. But uh, it's fun, man. And win or lose, it's always fun to call you guys or other shows on other networks and, and talk about sports because it's, it's sports at the end of the day, and that's what we love. Um, but, yeah, getting into the game, man, and, uh, and last night. Yeah, I think Allen still could be there. I think he's got to have the right coach. Um, I think that's the one, the thing right now, the coaching is a real issue. Uh, Dorsey, uh, not, not a good coordinator by any means, but he was scapegoated, kind of like the special teams coach was scapegoated after 13 seconds, kind of like Dor- uh, Frazier was scapegoated mm-hmm. last year. This is a Sean McDermott problem. Um, you know, I heard a good NFL insider this morning on a, on a ESPN show this morning talking about, uh, you know, the, the problems with the Bills. And he said McDermott, the roster construction, those are the two top things. Allen's probably the number three thing. Um, you know, Allen, look, let's face it, man, he's made some bad plays this year. He has not played his best. But the reality is, is McDermott is the issue here. He That contract extension he got, you and I have talked about this, there was no reason for the Pagulas ever to give him that contract extension. I would have fired that man immediately after the 13 seconds game. Um, he needs to go. That's where it all starts. You need an offensive mind, whether it be a Ben Johnson, whether you go see about Jim Harbaugh, who knows what's out there. You need an offensive coach, and you go from there. You and I would consider, because I think you're 100% right, David. Appreciate the call, buddy. Be well. I would even reconsider trading for Brian Dayball, to be completely honest. Because Brian Dayball has been the only offensive coordinator that has at least gotten Josh Allen to minimize his mistakes and has gotten the most out of him. And you've seen the last two two years when Dayball has been gone, Josh Allen has regressed. He has absolutely regressed. I would try to bring back the only man right now that has been able to kind of channel and harness right now his up and down play, at least for the most part, channel that towards positivity. And you saw the two best years, 2020 and 2021, were under Dayball. I'd give the Giants a call. I would absolutely give him a call, see if a trade is possible. But in terms of an offensive-minded head coach, without a doubt, David, I, I am 100% with you. That has to be the focus this offseason. Because you got to get not only his offense back on track, but it's also you have to have a head, co- uh, head coach that matches your quarterback's identity. And that's also part of the reason I think that we saw um, this head coach-quarterback combo fizzle out the last few years. You said you would have fired him after the 13 seconds. I would have fired him after last year, personally. 
That just no-show at home against the Bengals. Your defense got embarrassed. The offense was frustrated up and down the field. I just don't think Sean McDermott is a very good playoff head coach. Like, he is someone who brought a lot of stability to this organization, and he built them up to be where they could be a yearly playoff contender, make the playoffs every single year, which has not been the case in Buffalo for a very long time. But I don't think he's that guy to get you over the top. And I think we saw that a lot in the postseason, in large part because he is too conservative. When you have that defensive background mindset, you think, I think opposite, you think, okay, how can we make sure the offenses put our defense in a bad position here when really now we're seeing a lot of successes, aggressiveness on offense, and just hoping the defense can pick up the pieces if the offensive aggressiveness, let's say, backfires. But the Eagles push, you know, push the limit, push the envelope in terms of how aggressive they are with their offense. Chiefs, same thing. Bengals, same thing. 49ers, same thing. Like, it's not a coincidence. The elite teams in the NFL are the ones that are offensive-minded driven and are aggressive. And I would not call the Buffalo Bills, led by Sean McDermott, aggressive. And that's, I think, one trait outside of just an offensive-minded head coach. One trait they have to prioritize is finding that aggressive coach to match what your quarterback can do, number one, but also number two, to harness and channel that aggressiveness from Josh Allen and really funnel it into a positive. Again, Dayball did a tremendous job of that in 2020 and 2021. Allen, of course, right? I mean, it's still kind of in his nature, in his DNA. He did have some bad games and some bad turnovers. But they were much fewer and far between than we've seen since Dayball's been the Giants head coach and Ken Dorsey's taken over as offensive coordinator. It has been a real referendum, I think, on the overall philosophy right now of the Buffalo Bills last two years, and they are paying the price this year. And I think... While it's frustrating, I think their playoff hopes were shot last night. This, I do feel like, is a good wake-up call for Buffalo and a rock-bottom type moment to get this organization back on the right track and kind of wake them up to, to show them what they truly do need if they want to get back into that elite ranks of a very tough AFC and one day soon hopefully uh, raise a Lombardi trophy. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number threes where you can tweet me on Twitter. Do you think Josh Allen is still an elite quarterback in the NFL? Should he be considered that right now? If so, why? 855-212-4227. We'll continue to discuss that topic, but also to when we do return here. On the show I host on Saturday mornings right here on CBS Sports Radio, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern, primetime, someone would call it. I dubbed Sunday Separation Sunday in the NFL. Five games I really thought would separate contenders from the pretenders. Let's revisit that. Let's look at the fallout from Separation Sunday and talk about which teams really cemented themselves in a positive going forward and which seasons had uh, or really did come to an end here um, as we see it on Sunday. We'll get that when we do return. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. And welcome in. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio on this Tuesday. Appreciate you for making us a part of it. If you are just maybe catching us for the first time this evening, maybe you got to run here pretty soon. I get it. Life is busy. We've got a million different, you know, things pulling us in all different directions. So I get it. Hey, no, no hurt feelings here. But I could still stay up to date in tune with what we're talking about here, including. Now, it's going to be a little later than normal here, but it is a Tuesday, which means... We get the college football playoff rankings. Now, we're not going to get them at our normal time, which would be top of the hour. I believe it's about two hours or so from now. We have the 
normal college basketball uh, doubleheader, the Champions Classic here. So uh, I think they're doing it in between games is my belief, ESPN. So you have Duke-Michigan State tipping off here in about 20 minutes. I think between the time that game ends and the nightcap, which is Kansas-Kentucky, I think in between that, you know, 30-minute intermission as they kind of clear the courts and kind of change over, I think is when we're going to get the latest college football playoff ranking. So we will be on the air live for that reaction, give you my inside analysis on the top four, who got screwed, who didn't. Um, so if you aren't around for that later on, I get it. Make sure you check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. Nick Theodoro, producer of the show, does a great job of uploading that podcast so you can have it ready for your listening pleasure whenever you can get around to it. That is where you can find everything from this show and any show I host right here on CBS Sports Radio. Hick at Night Podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. So I thought week 10 in the NFL was separation Sunday. That there were five games that are really going to kind of spread the pretenders out from the contenders. And now that week 10 has come and gone, let's kind of revisit the fallout from these five games. Discuss who impressed and who really flopped here in week number 10. The one I had circled, the game I was most excited for, was Jaguars 49ers. And, of course, go figure, that was the worst game of the weekend. At least worst game of Sunday. Being 34-3, an absolute blowout. No real game there. But I looked at that game from the Jaguars' perspective. And I think coming out of that game, we can't call the Jaguars Super Bowl contenders. They like the Dolphins. There is no difference between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Miami Dolphins this season. Can beat the, uh, the bad teams, no problem. But they can't beat the good teams. And if you can't beat the good teams, you are not a Super Bowl contender yet. We got to see it. Miami, Jacksonville, neither have done anything to have you believe right now. Come January, they can beat a good team to get in the playoffs or in the playoffs. So not Super Bowl contenders. But in the eye, or specifically with Jacksonville, I mean, their biggest problem is Trevor Lawrence right now. There's no one else to, to look around and point the blame to. He has been the biggest problem. He's not seeing the field whatsoever. I don't know what's going on in his head, but he holds the ball too long, is not decisive in his decision-making. He's a turnover problem where he has nine passing touchdowns and seven turnovers through nine games. I don't know what he's looking at. This was supposed to be a year where I thought the Jaguars, and a lot of people thought, the Jaguars took that big step and got into that Super Bowl caliber team, you know, in the same tier as the Chiefs, as the Bengals. And they are nowhere near close to that tier. Because Trevor Lawrence has not taken a step whatsoever. I, I wish I had an explanation and that's part of the biggest frustration is he's just not seeing it right now. You can't blame the coaching. I think Doug Peterson is a really smart offensive mind, and Doug Peterson is also the coach that last year, when Trevor Lawrence was still trying to work the stink off from Urban Meyer that first half of the 2022 season, down the stretch, Trevor Lawrence was one of the best quarterbacks in the league last year, in large part because I think Doug Peterson did a great job of putting him in a position to succeed. So Doug Peterson, I think, is a really smart offensive coach. I'm not sitting here blaming him for the struggles of Lawrence. You have the talent. 
Like, you got Calvin Ridley, and that's another head-scratching disappointment so far is you get Calvin Ridley, who was coming off of basically a year-and-a-half suspension from the Falcons, and in the first half of the very first game where there should have been rust, where it's fair to question how good Ridley's going to be, he comes out against the Colts and has, like, I think it was nine, it was seven catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown in the first half. As you can tell, I'm a Colts fan. I remembered very well that game. But I'm like, holy smokes. Like, if this is how Calvin Ridley looks in the first half of the first game as a Jaguar after missing the last year and a half, there's no stopping him. There's no stopping Lawrence. And there's no stopping this offense when you pair him, a true number one wide receiver, with Christian Kirk, who's a nice compliment, with Travis Etienne, who's an absolute stud in the run and the pass game. I would argue right now the best all-around rushing and receiving running back in the league right now. There's no excuse right now for Trevor Lawrence to, to be playing as poorly and inconsistent as he's been. But he is the biggest reason why the Jaguars are not in the Super Bowl caliber conversation or Super Bowl caliber tier in the AFC. This was a game against the 49ers that I thought really would have sent a message that this is an elite team. This is a team not to be messed with come January. And instead, they got embarrassed. I didn't even said on Saturday morning, I didn't even need them to win this game to for me to believe that. If they were competitive, like if they lost 34-31, 31-28, 27-24, but they're going back and forth, body blow after body blow, I would have bought it in Jacksonville if they at least kept it close against an elite team in the 49ers. And as we know, 34-3, nowhere close. That's one separator. That's right now Jaguars contenders in the AFC. Or, I'm sorry, did I say contender? I mean pretender. My apologies. Hold on. Not to get that mis, you know misconstrued. Jaguars are pretenders. Now, a team that really impressed that is legit going forward here and a team that is not to be messed with come January in the AFC... The Cleveland Browns. That game going into it to me was all about how the Browns look and all about how Deshaun Watson plays. It was a tale of two halves, but the second half, the one that mattered, when you're down by two scores on the road against a division rival who had up to that point the best record in the conference, Deshaun Watson balled out. He came through while playing hurt and easily had his best game as a Brown and one of the most impressive performances of his career. And in the second half, 14 of 14 helped lead the Browns to 24 second-half points. And I think showed Watson, along with that defense, they're going to be a problem for the AFC. That's if, if you're the Chiefs, if you're the Bengals, and you got Cleveland coming to town, that is not going to be a fun game. That is not a game you are looking forward to. That's not a game you want. That's not a game anyone wants. I don't care who, who you are right now in the AFC. Cleveland comes to town in January. You are in trouble. Brown just put everyone on notice with that great comeback victory over the Ravens on Sunday. Speaking of making a statement here, look, everyone's been high on the Lions. I think the Lions showed you on Sunday in their win over the Chargers. This is a team that absolutely could get to the NFC title game. And we have to add them to the Super Bowl conversation. It is no longer a two-team race in the NFC. The Lions, with their win over the Chargers, firmly it is a three-team race in the NFC 
to see which team represents that conference in the Super Bowl. It's not just a win over the Chargers on the road. Like, that's, I mean, the Chargers are not very good. They're not a playoff team. So it's not like that win was a statement win of, oh, my God. Watch out for this team. What a hell of a road win. No. It's what that win does, though, moving forward. Because right now, if you look at the landscape of the NFC, the number two seed right now goes through Detroit, and that number one seed is up for grabs. The Lions have a pretty easy schedule going down the stretch. And when you're right now 7-2, and two, a game better than the 49ers, a game behind the Eagles, you not only right now are sitting pretty to have two home playoff games, you have a real chance with that gauntlet, with that tough Eagles schedule down the stretch here. You have a real opportunity to have two home playoff games and a first-round bye. Ford Field is going to be rocking this January. Good luck to whoever's going in there. I think the 49ers, they are my team to, to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. Good luck to the 49ers. Good luck to the Eagles going into Ford Field and winning. That's going to be a hell of a challenge. And that's why that win over the Chargers was so important. This was their second hardest game left on the schedule for Detroit. They have a road game at Dallas, second to last game of the year. Otherwise, it's division, it's some poor NFC teams. They're going to steamroll the rest of their their schedule. So I think bare minimum, at worst, we're talking about a 14-3 Lions team. You got to feel pretty damn good. That bare minimum, that's going to get you the second seed and absolutely could put you in pole position here to be the number one seed and get that bye uh, in the NFC and really have the conference go through here. So separation Sunday, five games from week number 10 here, I think really separate the contenders from the pretenders. Jaguars, not a Super Bowl contender. We, I think, established that. Browns, absolutely a dangerous playoff team. No one wants to see them come January. Lions have a real shot here to make the Super Bowl. Number four, the Lions, uh, the Vikings, I think, just locked themselves up a playoff spot on Sunday. They're in. That was a playoff game against the Saints. They locked it up. They are in. They are 6-4. and four. A game and a half better right now than the Bucks, who are the eighth seed. And you have tiebreakers over the Falcons and the Saints, the two other teams right now vying for not only the NFC South crown, but that final playoff spot as well. You have the tiebreaker over both of them. Vikings, they are sitting pretty. Got to give Josh Jobs a lot of credit. Did not see him coming in here and playing well. Pulled two wins really out of his you-know-what. The one last week against the Falcons especially. But they are, Minnesota's a, a scrappy, gritty team, just like they were last year. Kevin O'Connell deserves a lot of credit for just finding ways to win. Now, that playoff loss at home to the Giants overshadows a lot of the good Minnesota did last year, and they got, you could say, lucky a few times last year as well with some of the results. But one thing is for certain that has carried over last year to this year, and that's that they are one tough out, man. They're going to battle you for 60 minutes, and they're going to be in every single game. And they create their own luck. Fourth takeaway, and then the final one is that the Commanders are done. I thought Sunday's game against the Seahawks was a playoff game. If you look at the the odds to make the playoffs, if they won, Washington that was, and they were 5-5, five and five, you have a 30% shot at making the playoffs. Not great, but you're alive. It's doable with seven games left. You lose like they did. Now you're sitting there at 4-6. and six. 
Just a 7% chance to make the playoffs. That was a playoff game needed to have it. Now, look, if you're Washington, what helps ease the pain of losing is, hey, Sam Howell looked pretty good. He showed you some franchise caliber gumption. Well, well, that's the word I'll use there. So you got to feel good at least that you have found the franchise quarterback going forward. Unfortunately, it does come in a loss. I think it's going to result in the firing of Ron Rivera at the end of the season. The commanders are done, but I think in that loss, though, still found their franchise quarterback. All right, when we return here, Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. We have three weeks left in the college football season. I have just five teams I think they can win the national title. I'll give them to you in order of belief. We'll do that next. It's Ryan Hickey. They're right here. CBS Sports Radio. 